Hello and welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I am your host, Evan Birchmore. On today's episode, guys, we'll be diving into our shooting guard position preview episode. Very excited for this episode. Again, first episode of this series has already been released. That was our point guard position unit preview. We'll be coming out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, one episode per week, so coming up we'll have the small forwards next week, the power forwards the week after that, the centers, and then our total season preview and prediction, guys. But this week, we will be talking about the Charlotte Hornets shooting guard position, guys. Let's go ahead and dive on in. To sort of set the table for this conversation, right, let's go ahead and run down the depth chart, the projected depth chart for the Hornets for the 2021-2022 season, guys. Let's go ahead and get to it. Starting at the two guard, Terry Rozier, recently got the extension, you know, over the summer, had a terrific year last year, really his career year, uh, statistically speaking. So no doubt in my mind, he is your starting two guard. Just that chemistry he showed with LaMelo last year, really the leadership that Terry Rozier has shown in Charlotte. I really think it speaks to sort of a, sort of a larger trend that sometimes happens in the NBA where fit matters, right? I remember when he signed to Charlotte or when he, you know, I guess came to Charlotte as part of the Kimball Walker transaction, it was, uh, well, you know, he's, he's such a downgrade from Kimba and he had sort of flamed out in Boston, I guess sort of wore out his welcome in Boston, really didn't get along with Kyrie all that well. And so people viewed him so much differently then, but I really don't think that environment was conducive for Terry to be the best that he could be. And I really think Charlotte, he said it. He's gone on record and said, you know, he's loved the city and really embraced the city. And I think the city and the franchise has embraced Terry, you know, and now made an investment in him this summer with the contract extension. So really, I think he's flourished here, given that opportunity. But diving on into the numbers, guys, and we did talk about Rogier, you know, on a previous episode, closer to when that extension was signed originally. But going to go ahead and run through the stats again. First off, six foot one. So not particularly tall for a two guard, especially, but he plays pretty big. He, he is a pretty good rebounding guard. Uh, he grabbed 4.4 rebounds per game last season to go along with 20.4 points per game, 4.2 assists per game, and then 1.3 steals per game as well. Now his shooting splits now from the field, he was a knockdown three point shooter right at 39%, uh, 38.9% from three to be exact. From the field as a whole, he was 45% from the field and then 81.7% from the foul line. So he's a really good shooter, really solid shooter. And again, when he's not having to, to handle the ball quite as much, obviously, because that's what you have LaMelo there for. But I remember in Boston, a lot of times he he led the second unit or he would be a point guard. And he's very capable of doing that. That's an underrated facet of his game. But in this starting, you know, sort of starting five, if you will, at the two guard spot, Terry can just go out there and get buckets, and th that is what he does best. So Terry Rozier obviously locked in as your starting two guard, and I think has an outside shot, you know, maybe potentially at an all-star berth, you know, this year if, if the cards, you know, fall his way. Now, wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't happen. Obviously, there's lots of two guards here in the East that are, you know, solid two guards, sort of those perennial all-stars, if you will. But nevertheless, Terry, just a very solid, you know, core piece to build around. I'm glad they extended him this year. Now, diving into sort of his second-level stats, you know, the PER, the efficient field goal percentage, or effective field goal percentage, pardon me, his PER was the second highest of the returning players on Charlotte, only behind Gordon Hayward. Now, Terry's PER last year was 17.1. Now, to give you sort of a baseline, something to base that on, 
15 is considered league average. A 15.0 is is you know not a net negative or not a net positive. That's pretty much just average. So Terry was above average from a PER standpoint. Now his career PER sits at 14.3. So he's been going up progressively. Last year was an above average year based on that career PER. So again, 15 is average. 14.3 is where he's at for his entire career. But last year he was at 17.1. So that's moving in the right direction. And then EFG. He was 54.8%. Now, that has increased every year of his career with one exception, and that being the 2019 season, guys, which I really think you just almost sort of have to treat it as a mulligan, right? Because he was so caught up in that whole Kyrie Irving drama, the Boston Celtics drama. That team really underachieved, right? I remember they won 49 games, but they were coming off of making the Eastern Conference Finals and being – pretty much one quarter of basketball away from the NBA Finals with no Kyrie and no Gordon Hayward. And then they followed that up. They got the four seed, and they you know, got knocked out by the Bucks in the playoffs. So really just an underachieving team. I don't really blame that on Terry. I think there was a lot of things out of his control that sort of happened. Just the chemistry was awful on that team, and they sort of just you know self-destructed. So that being said – you know, his his advanced stats are moving in the right direction as well, which is important to see because oftentimes you see these guys who get numbers, right? But you think, oh, is he just a volume shooter? You know, is he really efficient from the field? Does he make others better? Well, I think you can point at these advanced stats and say, Terry does that. You know, he's efficient. His field goal percentages are all good. He's not, you know, a volume shooter necessarily. So, you know, again, his effective field goal percentage – moving in the right direction, his PER moving in the right direction, his shooting splits were good. He's locked in at your starting two guard, Mr. Scary Terry, Scarence Terrence, as he's known by some, Terry Rozier. Now moving on into your backup two guard, guys, the number 11 pick in this year's NBA draft, and that would be Mr. James Booknight, guys. Now, James Booknight, definitely expect him to be a rotational piece, but I don't see him starting above Terry, you know, maybe except for your occasional spot start, if you will. I could really see him, you know, I think he'll get maybe 20 minutes a game, I would project, uh, but get some good run. Now, kind of running through his background, we all know, came out of UConn, two-year player there at UConn. He stands six foot four, so he's really tall for a guard. Actually, that that's pretty good height for a two guard, uh, which contributes to him being an above average rebounder at the position. But again, he played two years at UConn, and something I want to dive into here: he was first team All Big East this past year, but UConn moved conferences actually while he was there. So in his first year there, they were in the AAC, and then they are in the Big East last year. Now I dove into sort of some advanced stats, you know, at a at a kind of higher level sort of perspective to dive into the the perspective of his statistics last year where I'm getting at with this is that his shooting splits all went down last year and you look at that and you you know sort of get caught off guard by that that's you know not something you really want to see so in 2019-2020 so again that's his freshman year the, the year that initially got cut by cut short by covid if you will he was 46.2% from the field 34.7% from 3 82.2% from the foul line. Now in 2020-2021, those went down. All of them went down. He went down to 44.7% from the field, 29% from three, and then 77.8% from the foul line. So all of his shooting splints went down. So I dove into that and sort of, you know, what caused that? Well, for one, 
like I mentioned, his team changed conferences. His strength of schedule increased. Now, based on this statistic that I found, zero being an average strength of schedule. However, that's calculated. His strength of schedule the first year was at a 5.34. It increased to an 8.59. All of that to say, he was playing much tougher competition in the second year. So that's certainly part of it. Another part to consider is that he got injured last year. He actually had to have elbow surgery and he missed eight games. So his first year, he played 28 games. He started 16 of those games. Last year, he only played in 15 games, although he did start 14 of those games. So he missed more games. And then also, again, he was a starter. And sort of just all the, you know, draft pieces that I read, I sort of did the research. And, you know, he was sort of a volume shooter because he had to be for the sake of his team, right? He had to go out there and be the guy to carry the offense. And his shooting percentages suffered as a result. Now, obviously, in the moment, you know, you're going to do what is necessary to try to win. You're not, you know, primarily worried about your shooting percentages. You just want to score so you can win. I mean, team with more points at the end of the game wins the game, right? So you go out there, you get points. He can definitely do that. I mean, he had a 40-point game against Creighton. That was back in December, December 20th, to be exact. You know, then for the year last year, he averaged 18.7 points, 5.7 boards, and 1.7 assists per game. So really not you know, a guy who's going to come in and have to be a playmaker at the two guard, right? You have LaMelo. I think Terry has really shown he can be a playmaker. You have other guys on the roster. Gordon Hayward can do some of that. Mason Plumlee can pass as a big man. So I really think James Booknight, if all he does is come off the bench for 20 minutes a game and give you shooting and points and sort of a, a beat you off the dribble, go get a bucket guy against the other team's second unit and, and give the starters some some rest, that's, you know, that's a valuable role to have, especially as a rookie and then to continue building off of that as the years go by. But again, not expecting him to start, you know, with the exception of maybe the occasional spot start or, you know, Terry getting a rest game, a night off, if you will. But again, James Booknight, that's sort of his rundown. And then in the summer league, obviously a big part of the summer league in Vegas for the Hornets, he went 16.8 points, 3.8 assists. And then from three, he was back up from three. Uh, into the 30s and his percentages from three it was 37.5 percent to be exact from three for James Booknight there in the summer league so again his shooting splits went back up when he wasn't the only guy who could go get a bucket right he wasn't the only guy called upon to be you know sort of that that shooter if you will on the court who who just had to shoot like every time down that really isn't the ideal way for basketball to be played, especially in 2021, I don't believe. So again, I really don't think it's as much an indictment on him as it is just sort of his, you know, his situation, right? And, and sort of what was what was going on as far as just the circumstances that his team was in last year. Now, moving on to our third unit uh, or our third, you know, third string shooting guard, if you will, and that being Mr. Scotty Lewis, another draft selection of the Hornets this summer, guys, as we all know, uh, coming in at the 36th pick overall in round two uh, for the Hornets this year. He stands six foot five. He spent two years at Florida, and he is on a two way contract. So I would expect him to get some run in Greensboro with the Swarm this year as well. But again, kind of diving into Scotty Lewis's background, he was SEC All Freshman team in 2020. He did lead the Florida Gators in blocks that year, and he was second in steals. So this guy, he's hyper-athletic. He's solid on the defensive end, high motor. Offensively is where he needs to be polished, which I think 
is good. You know, get him to Greensboro, kind of get some polish on the offensive end, sort of those technical things, if you will. But the athleticism and the effort is there, and you can't coach those. So he's got the tools in the toolbox. Now it's just a matter of sort of honing those and, and sharpening those, if you will. But diving on in again, he got COVID last year, so that certainly affected him. And then he also didn't start quite as much as in the first year. You know, going through his just the game started versus games played splits, he, he didn't start quite as often last year. Again, he did get COVID as well, so that knocked him out for a while. And and just not sure, you know, sort of the what lingering effects that might have had on him. You know, he had to get back in shape. He spent time away from the team. It's obviously a large disruption, especially in the middle of a season when you're out there athletically competing and whatnot. But again, the motor is there. The want to is there. He has a seven foot wingspan. So again, you can't coach a seven foot wingspan. That's just hyper athleticism. Again, six foot five there at the two guard spot. And then his summer league stats going to go ahead and dive on into those as well. He was 8.5 points, 3.25 assists, 1.75 blocks guys. That's kind of the, the highlighted stat here. Uh, just, you know, in my notepad, as far as that really jumped out to me doing the research and saying, wow, he, you know, just again, that defensive presence that Scotty Lewis can present. And then he did average half a steal per game there in summer league. So again, that hyper athleticism, not really, you know, a, a huge threat on the offensive end as of yet. But again, with sort of that athleticism and effort, you can get some some easy points that way too. get in transition, get some putbacks. It's really more about in a half court set. Can he get his stuff right? Can he get points in the half court? That's where I think his development, you know, could use, you know, a little more time, which is why he's on the two way contract. So I'm excited to see what he does. I would, again, expect him to spend some time with the swarm this year in Greensboro, but definitely we'll be keeping an eye on Scotty Lewis. And so that is the depth chart at the two guard guys. Now to kind of clear some things up, I know sort of, the, the, the overall sort of movement of basketball, right, to, to this positionless basketball. But we're doing a position unit preview series. So going through the two guards, you know, who do you count as a two guard? So I am going based on the official depth chart, which is online, listing Terry Rozier, James Booknight, and Scotty Lewis as your two guards. Now, I would certainly expect some other guys to get some run at two guard or, or the off-the-ball guard, if you will. Although, again, you know, basketball is moving to this point where now you're either a a big, a wing, or a guard. There's there's sort of, you know, there's not really defined positions as much anymore as there used to be in basketball. But that being said, you know, will we see Kelly Oubre play two guard at some point? Yes, I would definitely expect that. Will we pl- see, you know, a Cody Martin play some two guard? Yes. You know, Xavier Sneed got signed today. He's a small forward technically. Will he maybe play two guard or even in Greensboro play some two guard? Yes, probably so. Uh, Wes Iwundu, will he play two guard? I would expect so. So again, really probably Ubre of those players I just mentioned would spend the most time at two guard. I do expect him to be the primary backup at the three as well and backup Gordon Hayward there at that small forward position. But again, basketball is moving more to this positionless basketball, but just for the sake of needing to put some parameters for just the sake of the episodes and which players we discuss, I could I just went with the official depth chart, which is online. And again, that's Terry, that's James Booknight, and that's Scotty Lewis. So those are kind of your guys. And then we will we will be touching on those other players, just that will be in future episodes as we move to the small forwards and the power forwards and wrap it up with the center here in a few weeks. All right, guys, so some current Hornets news as well, just moving into overall Hornets news. So today, like I just mentioned, Xavier Sneed did get signed. 
Now, Charlotte is currently sitting at 21 reported players on the roster. Now, you can carry 20 in the offseason, and 15 is the active roster. Now, they did change that last year to get to 15. I believe it used to be 13, but that was sort of with COVID, right? You know, they expected players would be in the protocol, contact tracing. They would get COVID, unfortunately. So just sort of a, a good move. I definitely think everybody was on board with that and understood the logic behind, you know, just having more active players on the roster at any given moment because you might need them, right? But going to run through these uh, this list here real quick to kind of get you guys up to speed on what the roster is looking like at the moment as we sit here, you know, in September. So still some time to go before the season. But Official guaranteed contracts, guys. There's 16 of those guys. Going to go ahead and read this list off. It's you know some names you would expect: Lamella Ball, James Booknight, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre Jr., Cody Martin, Ish Smith, PJ Washington, Kai Jones, Mason Plumley, Vernon Carey Jr., Jalen McDaniels, Nick Richards, and Wes Iwundu. Now, Wes Iwundu is kind of the guy you might not be as familiar with. I'm certainly not as familiar with him, you know, before doing the research for the episode. But he did come over in that sign-and-trade with Devontae Graham. So he did spend last year in New Orleans, kind of, you know, in the mold of a 3-and-D guy. That's kind of his, you know, sort of, I guess, uh, kind of projection as to what role he will play in Charlotte. But again, he, you know, uh, he's one you might not be as familiar with because he wasn't in the organization last year. Now, we do have two players on Exhibit 10 contracts, which are basically, uh, with lack of a better way to describe it, it, it's essentially just an invitation to see what the player is. It's not really a a big commitment is what I'm getting at. But on those Exhibit 10 contracts, guys, DJ Carton, so point guard, we talked about him in the point guard preview uh, episode, and then Xavier Sneed, like I just mentioned. Xavier Sneed, you know, spent some time with Greensboro last year, actually, but he's back signed today to that Exhibit 10 and then two players on two-way contracts. One we talked about in this episode, that being Mr. Scotty Lewis. And then the second being Arnoldus Kolboka, who played in the Summer League, you know, been part of the organization for a few years now, got him in the draft a few years ago. And then it has been reported that Cameron McGriff has signed with Charlotte. Now, that's, again, the sources I found online reported. So there's not really any details available as to what that deal is. Now, I know the name that sort of has not been mentioned that, you know, might get some questions about definitely will get, you know, some buzz is Leangelo Ball. What is his status? Well, with Xavier Sneed being signed today, I have to say that doesn't bode well for, you know, Leangelo's chances of being a member of the Hornets, but crazier things have happened. I could definitely see them shuffling some things around. Again, I would have expected him to be a two-way guy or an Exhibit 10 guy. Definitely not, you know, a rotation piece or anything. But, again, that's kind of where the roster stands as of now. There's still some time left. Still, you know, obviously multiple weeks until the season begins. So we'll see kind of how that ends up shaking itself out. We're definitely not the only team, you know, in a situation like that. I was looking online, you know, the Hawks are in a similar situation. They're at 21 right now. So other teams are going through the same thing. It'll just be interesting to see kind of that back end of the roster, right? How does that shake out? Because we know the top of the roster. There's there's no changing that at this point. But, you know, how, how does, you know, kind of the bottom of the roster shake itself out? And can there be some guys who sort of break away from the pack and, and kind of, you know, establish themselves? You know, reading online, doing the research, you saw, you know, there's been guys, Christian Wood, an example, a guy who used to be in the Hornets organization. Alex Caruso, a guy who was critical to that Lakers championship run in the bubble. Guys who, you know, were in a situation similar to this, you know, not all that long ago. So there could be, you know, some some diamonds in the rough, if you will, on this roster. So excited to see what those guys are able to do this year. 
All right, now to dive into listener questions to wrap it all up for this episode, guys. Got a listener question from at Bismack is the goat on Instagram. <laughs> Shout out Bismack is the goat. I love the username. Uh, but he asks, predict James Booknight's rookie year stats. All right, so going to go ahead and dive on into that. I do predict James Booknight to start at 20 minutes a game. Now, that could certainly go up based on his play, but he's got some pretty big shoes to fill. You know, as we know, Malik Monk no longer with the Hornets, Devontae Graham no longer with the Hornets. So there is a spot there at a backup guard position that will be, a, you know, a crucial spot to be backing up Terry and maybe to be, you know, provide some ball handling and maybe come in for LaMelo at points, you know, throughout the season. So there's definitely, you know, a use for James Booknight and, and an avenue for him to be getting good minutes this year. And so based on that, and I kind of looked, you know, at some some player comps as well, maybe some guys I see some similarities to uh, with James Booknight, you know, the ones that come to my mind being, you know, a Jordan Clarkson, your reigning sixth man of the year, a Lou Williams, you know, a guy who's won multiple sixth, sixth man of the year awards in his, you know, in his career. So James Booknight, I projected him to 12 points a game in those 20, 20 minutes, 12 points a game, two assists per game. All right, again, guys, he's really not a you know, just a razzle-dazzle passer. That's really not going to be his role, though. His role, I imagine, just come in, second unit, get points, you know, get buckets and, and keep the team going, keep the offense going while Terry gets a break, while LaMelo gets a break, whatever the situation demands. But come in, get points. But again, two assists, three rebounds. Now, he is a, a strong rebounder. Again, he's 6'4", so he has good height. And then he did get 5.7 rebounds per game last year at UConn. So I have him at three boards per game here and again in 20 minutes. And then one steal per game. You know, he uh, he, he was a pretty good defender in college, you know, in, in points. And just projecting that, it, it's difficult to project, you know, much more than that, though. And then, and then blocks again, you know, he probably just – less than one block per game, maybe like half of a block a game, a quarter of a block. A game. I'm sure he'll get a block at some point, but you know, it might be games per block, not blocks per game uh, for that. But again, 20 minutes a game, 12 points, two assists, three boards. And then his shooting splits, I have predicted 43% from the field, 34% from three, and then 78% from the foul line. So again, for some reference last year at UConn, he went, we'll round up on these. He went 45% from the field, he went 29% from three, and then he went 78% from the foul line. So I have his free throw shooting remaining the same. I do have his field goal percentage dipping by two percentage points down to 43, although I don't think it'll be a huge problem. I just think sort of the speed of the NBA, and it's it's obviously a, a, a jump in competition level from college. So I don't see him you know, being a 43% career shooter, but... I definitely, you know, you have to start somewhere. So 43% is what I have predicted. And then I do think the three-point shooting will go back up because, again, his situation was so unique last year. The competition was much more difficult. He had elbow surgery. He was really, you know, the primary offensive threat. He had to carry the offense a lot of nights, which, you know, if he's the second unit kind of bench heat guy, if you will, that might be a similar situation. But, again, you're surrounded by NBA guys. I just think, you know, he'll get easier looks potentially and, and I do, I do think that three-point shooting will go back up. So 34%, again, he's not – I don't project him to be purely a catch-and-shoot guy, in which case you'd like that to be a little higher. I do project him to kind of be a guy who handles the ball, you know, is able to shake and bake a little bit, if you will, kind of get in his groove and, and handle the ball and create offense on his own rather than being a purely catch-and-shoot guy, in which case 34% from three as a rookie – you know, that's respectable, especially given that role, given sort of that 
that circumstance, if you will. I think that would be pretty good. I, I would consider that a successful year for James Booknight. But again, very excited to see what he's able to do as a crucial part of this Hornets rotation this next season. All right, guys, that will do it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Bring the Sting podcast. Our position unit preview rolls on. Next week, guys, small forwards preview will be coming out. So be sure to get those questions in on Instagram at Bring the Sting, on Twitter at underscore Bring the Sting. Again, all questions are taken on air. Every question will be featured on the episode. I just can't thank you enough for all the support. You know, the questions definitely that audience engagement, if you will, I really just, I love and enjoy that. That's something, again, I mentioned it last episode that I will just always strive to do is, is engage my audience and engage the people who listen to this content and consume it and give me feedback. You know, I just love that because as a, as a new podcast and a new content creator, really that just means a lot. And it means, you know, that you guys are enjoying the content. So definitely let me know if there's, you know, any content suggestions that you have, but again, questions, They're always on air. They will always be mentioned on air. I'll always give you a shout out by username on that. So be sure to get those in next week. Again, small forwards preview. We'll be touching on that. Be sure to follow along again on Twitter. We're at underscore bring the sting Instagram. It's at bring the sting have the season countdown going on. Uh, So today is 30 days from tip off. So today was uh, Dwight Howard with the franchise record for rebounds in a game by a player, you know, in a single game. But again, keep rocking with that. Keep up every day. We'll have the countdown. Uh, And then just other content, again, will be coming out as well. Thank you guys again for tuning into the podcast. Until next week, 